0: Well, it's good to be back. Um, thank you so much for uh, having me back, Pastor Jonathan. It's, it's an honor. It's a privilege. And you know when you get a repeat invitation, that means you didn't screw up too bad the last time. So uh, we'll try to keep that streak going tonight. Um, again, just, just so thankful uh, for, for the opportunity to be here and to speak. Just forgive me. I'm getting my notes all organized. Um, you know, and uh, for those of you who don't know anything about me, um I I I grew up as a as a pastor's kid um up in up in the northeast so if I talk a little fast it's either that or it's all the coffee um you know and I was I was in back I learned something new this morning or this afternoon I was in back and I was getting ready to preach and um sitting back there and I'm tying off and Taylor looks at me and he says what are you doing I said, well, I'm about, to drink my co- I'm about to have my coffee here, man. And he goes, well, you're supposed to drink it, not shoot it straight into your veins. And so I think that's my problem. Um, so, you know, I'm going to try that. That might slow me down a little bit next time. Um, we'll, we'll see if that's the, uh, the preferred way to go about it. Uh, as Pastor Jonathan said, um, you, Shelby and I started By Grace International about two years ago. And uh, our, our heart is just to come alongside local churches and just help them in any way that we can. Um, it doesn't matter you know, what size they are, what what kind of people they have. We want to come alongside churches and help. And that, that, you know, obviously there's teaching and preaching that comes into play with that, but also helping uh, pour into leadership and things like that. Because one of the things that we've learned is as a traveling ministry, um, when you leave, you're gone. I, I mean... The church is is the force that's actually going to cause change in that neighborhood. The church is the force that's going to cause change in that city. we We only play a small role in that, so our job, our goal is to uh, is to come alongside churches and help them just as much as we can um, in doing that and so you know I just I'm endeavoring to do that tonight. Pastor Jonathan said he's getting ready to start a series called Rescued, so I thought we'd kind of. Uh, tie into that. I do apologize if it's a little all over the place. I've been studying on this for a couple weeks and keep getting direction changed and, and all sorts of things like that. I was sitting there on the front row and during that second song, the Lord's showing me, um, you know, other verses. So if I'm like Peyton Manning at the line calling out, Omaha, 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 you know, don't throw anything at me, Taylor. Um, so anyways, let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I give you praise for tonight. I thank you for your goodness, for your favor, for your mercy tonight, I thank you, Lord, that as I minister forth your word tonight, that it wouldn't be my words or my wisdom, Father, but it would be words and wisdom of the Holy Spirit, Father, and that as we speak, that you would touch, save, heal, deliver, set free, do what only you can do, Father, and as I deliver this message, um, that that it wouldn't just be heard one way, but it would be heard a thousand different ways, both by the people here in this room and via the live stream tonight, that... um, the, the, the message would be heard, personalized, customized, wherever they're at in life, whatever they need, that you would provide whatever they need in this service, Father. I submit myself to you. Uh, draw out of me only what you'd have me say. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, I want to talk to you tonight, and we'll, we'll get to the title here in a second, um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about struggles. Now, how many of you have ever faced a struggle in your life? hand up, you know, both hands. I can only put one foot up at a time. Um, you know, so it's, uh, otherwise you lose your balance. It doesn't, God didn't invent us that way. Um, so struggles are something that, that comes to every single one of us. And all right, we're going to switch over here. Technical difficulties. Check one. All right. So, um, we all face struggles in life, like this microphone right now. And, uh, you, you know, this is, this is something I, I think that we oftentimes look at ourselves and we think, man, I've got it so rough. I've got it, I, I've got it so bad in my life. I, I don't know what I did to deserve this. And I think one of the things we've got to recognize, we've got to realize, is that if you are living here on this earth, as long as you're still taking in breath, there is one thing that you are guaranteed. That's Struggle. Let's look over at Psalm 3419 out of the Passion Translation. Um, Recently, I I got Shelby uh, 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 one of the Passion Translation Bibles for Christmas, and I told her it was for her. It was really for me. Uh, Don't tell her I said that. But uh, there's just so much good stuff in there. But Psalm 3419 says, Even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones. Notice that. Even when, not if. There's no there's no conditional, no chance, anything about that. Even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they place or what they face. Now, John 16, 33. And this is Jesus talking here, and he says, These things have I spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Isn't that something that we need today in, uh, in this political climate and in, in everything that's going on? We need peace. In Jesus, we have peace. So uh, these things I've spoken to you that you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulations. We could say struggles, we could say tests, we could say temptations. In the world, you're going to have them. Um, Pastor Jonathan, you probably remember this story. I believe it was, it might have been Jerry Savelle. A guy came up to him and he said, I want you to pray for me that I'll never never go through any trials again, never go through any tests again. And so he went and he laid his hands on him and he prayed, Lord, let him die. (laughs) I mean, he goes, no, I don't want to do that. He goes, well, didn't you read what Jesus said? John 16, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why are we supposed to be of good cheer? Because I have overcome the world. Jesus is telling us that he has already overcome the world. No matter what storms come against you in life, no matter what happens, he is our safety. He's our security. He has already overcome the world. One translation says that he's deprived it of power to harm you. And so, if the world doesn't have any power to harm you, you can you can you know say, with the writer of old, that uh, I put my trust, my hope, my faith in God. Of whom shall I be afraid? What can man do unto me? What can go on in this world that can come at me? You, you see, we um, have you guys ever heard of uh, the, uh, a safe harbor? Just this idea of a safe harbor. The the town I grew up in, uh, up in Connecticut, it's it's right on the Connecticut River, and it's it's actually. Uh, there's, a, there's an ongoing rivalry between our town and another town as to who the oldest town in, in Connecticut is. It's really my town. You know, don't let anybody else lie to you. Um, but back in 1634, the settlers were, were sailing up the Connecticut River, and they were looking for a place to, to spend the winter. And there was, off the side of the river, there was a cove. It's called the Wethersfield Cove. And they took their ships and they, they brought them into that cove, into that harbor. And they dropped the anchors down. And when they dropped the anchors down, they knew that this cove would be their safety. That this cove would be their security in the storms. That no matter what would happen in that season, no matter what would happen, no, no matter what uh, wind would come, no matter what trials would come, that the anchor would hold firm. And I'm telling you tonight that Jesus is the anchor in your life. Jesus is the anchor, and that, that's the title of our message, The Anchor Holds. No matter what's going on in your life, the anchor holds. And, and so let, let's look at, um, you know, I, I want to just take a quick look uh, here in the Old Testament and kind of just, just see a picture of this. And, uh, you, you know, before we go and look at that, there's one thing you've got to realize, is that everybody who made it in the Bible— faced some kind of struggle. Every single one of them faced some kind of struggle. I can guarantee you if they lived at that time and somehow made it through their entire life without struggling, they are not in the book. Every single one of them struggled at some point. If you look at, if you look through Hebrews 11, you'll hear it called, you know, the great hall of, uh, the hall of faith or the faith hall of fame, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But it talks about people were shipwrecked and beaten and thrown to the lion's den and all of these different things. I mean, they went through some stuff. In fact, Jesus himself, and and, uh, we're not going to turn there for time's sake, but Jesus himself, look at his life and ministry. He battled depression. Depression tried to come on Jesus before he went to the cross. It says that his soul was tormented. His mind was tormented. After Lazarus was dead, uh, I believe it talks about that he, he fought feelings of depression. So struggles come to every one of us. Um, but let's look here at, at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter 3. Um, and if, if you're not familiar with this story, let's give you a little ground, uh, groundwork here, a little foundation. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their friend Daniel, they were part of the Israelites who were captured by King uh, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And they were brought over to Babylon to serve in his court. And and when they came over, uh, they they proved themselves so highly that they were all exalted to positions of authority. And so these are all leaders in the government. These are leaders uh, in, we would say leaders in the world at that time. These were high ranking members of the Babylonian government. And then Nebuchadnezzar gets this idea in his head he says, you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm king of Babylon. I'm king of all this different stuff. I should be worshipped like a god. And all of his advisors except for them said, yeah, that's a good idea, king. He said, you know what? Let's make a big old statue of me. How many of you know you don't want to see a big statue of me, this, this ugly mug staring at you? Uh, that's, that, that's not in anybody's best interest. <clears throat> um, and, and they all said it was a great idea. And so he, uh, he built this huge statue. And put it out on the plane and and he said, we're going to gather everybody in the city out here on this plane and we're going to play some music. And when we play the music, they're all going to bow down and worship. And if they don't bow down and worship, we're going to throw them into the fiery furnace. I I mean, what kind of, stop for a second and just think, what kind of egomaniac do you have to be to think if somebody does not stop and worship this giant statue of me, I'm going to burn them alive. I mean, it would, it would be Kentucky Fried Israelites over there. They are crispy as could be. So let's pick up here in verse 14. Uh, after they refused to bow, uh, the, they were brought to him. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, We we would say it this way nowadays, you know, the bass, the synth, the drums, the electric guitar, uh, and all the kinds of music. If you're ready, you'll fall down and worship the image which I have made. Good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? So he he must have liked these guys, right? He's already told them what was going to happen. They disobeyed him. And he likes them so much he's going to give them a second chance. He's going to say, all right, guys, you got one more chance. But look at their response. I love this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. And they said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They didn't even take a second to think about it. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So uh, one of the things that I, I think is so valuable here is their response. Their immediate response was, we don't even need to take a second to stop and think about this. We already know the answer. We're not gonna bow. We're not gonna worship. They said, if you wanna throw us in the fire, if in verse 17, notice that if that is the case, if what is the case? If you throw us into the fire... We're not going to bow. But in verse 18, and this is where religion has really kind of twisted some things. They say, but if not, and and the church has for years taught this as, but if God doesn't rescue us, let it be known we're not going to serve your gods. Well, what does it matter if God doesn't rescue them? They wouldn't have a chance to worship the gods if God doesn't rescue them. They're they're still addressing what they were addressing in verse 17. If you throw us into the furnace, king, we're not going to worship. But if you decide to change your mind, let it be known, we're still not going to worship these gods. We're not going to worship this false idol that you have set up. And if you, if you keep going and you, you, you read through this uh, chapter, which we're not going to do for the sake of time, this got him so upset that he heated the fire up to seven times hotter than normal. And I don't even know how, how hot you'd get that fire. I almost burned myself once on my charcoal grill, and that was enough for me. I was, I was done with that. I am not an outdoorsman by any sense the word, give me my computer, give me my, you know, all that kind of stuff. But so they heated this fire up to seven times hotter than normal. And it got so hot that the, the, the men who threw them in actually died. The men who threw them in were burned. They didn't even go in the fire. They're just, you know, just the guys loading the fire up. And they got burned up. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar looked at him and he said, didn't we throw three guys in the fire? And they were bound. I see four walking free. And the fourth is like the son of God. Jesus came alongside them in the midst of the fire. Jesus came alongside them in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of what was going on in their life. And he came alongside them and said, I'm not gonna let you burn. I'm gonna stay here with you. I'm gonna be by your side. And here's the craziest part. When they came out, the Bible tells us that the smell of smoke wasn't even on them. They walked through that fire and they did not even smell like smoke. Now, how many of you guys have ever lit a fire in your backyard, in a fire pit or something like that, any kind of bonfire? You you spend a night out by the bonfire, and you smell pretty smoky, right? These guys were literally in the middle of the fire, they, w- they went through all of this, and the Bible says the smell of smoke wasn't on them. Their test, their trial, their temptation did not stick with them because they put their faith and hope and trust in God. They held on to that anchor, and they said, we're going we're gonna to believe in what the Lord has promised us. Now, um, let, let's look over at Matthew chapter 7. And we're, we're looking at a lot of scripture. I, I apologize for that. Um, I, t- I tell them in healing school, God forbid we look at, look at the scripture. Um, but Matthew seven twenty four, and this is sort of the pattern um, that, that I want to look at here, and this will kind of open up some, some things here for us tonight. Uh, Matthew seven twenty four, Jesus is talking again, and he says this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, we could say it this way, whoever hears my teachings and applies them. I will liken her to a wise woman. Well, why do you say wise woman? Well, man, woman, it's saying the same thing. Uh, Jesus was just, back in that day, they defaulted to talk to the men. I always find it interesting, not to, to get on a side journey here, but I always find it interesting that you can be talking to a mixed group of people, and the girls all have to be okay with us calling them guys. But if you call that mixed group of people girls, all the guys, myself included, were like, whoa, hold on. What did you say? Are you, Whoa! hang on. Do I look like a woman to you? And so um, anyways, man, woman, uh, doesn't matter. I will liken them to a wise person, you could say, who built their house on a rock. We would say it this way nowadays. They built their house on a foundation. Um, Do any of you guys live in a neighborhood where construction's happening? Where there's a lot of construction going on? In our neighborhood, we moved in um, almost... Gosh, almost four years ago now, three and a half, almost four years ago, um, we moved into our neighborhood. And since we have moved into our neighborhood, it, it has almost doubled in size. There are so many new houses that are going up, and there's all sorts of buildings going up everywhere. You notice right on, um, right on Hidden Creek, there's that, that new um, tall building right across from the park there. And they started working on that for a while before they started raising it up. They were working and they were pouring in the foundation. They were laying the foundation. And uh, here's a a, a truth about buildings is that in order for a building to be strong, in order for a building to be secure, the the taller, the bigger a building is, the deeper the foundation needs to be. You've got to go down before you can go up. And so Jesus is saying, if you take my teachings, you apply them to your life, you're building your life on this foundation, And that's how we get this foundation in our life to grow deeper and deeper. You come to JG on Wednesday nights, you hear what Pastor Jonathan says, you apply it in your life. You listen to podcasts, you apply it in your life. You spend time on your own in prayer and in worship, and you apply what the Lord's showing you into your life. And you'll be like a wise person who built their house on a firm foundation. Verse 25, the rains descended and the floods came. And the wind blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. It fell, and great was its fall. Now, I I used to live... um, couple hours away from the beach. Have any of you guys ever tried to build a sandcastle at the beach? Now, I, I don't know how they get them, you know, in the pictures and in the movies to be like all, all perfect with the little, uh, you know, the little walls on the outside and everything. My sandcastle was bucket over castle. I, I mean, it, it was not fancy at all. It was like, uh, the closest it was was like Rapunzel's Tower. I mean, it was just straight up and down. There was nothing around that sucker. But if you build a sandcastle it doesn't take much to knock it over. I mean, all it takes is your brother walking by and just going pow and kicking that sucker and down it goes, right? Or the, the, the water comes in, the water, the, the tide starts to come in and it doesn't even need to hit it hard. The tide just starts to brush it and the sand starts being carried away. It, it doesn't even take much. It doesn't take a heavy storm to tear down a house that's founded on sand, And so if you notice in these scriptures, the same storms came to both people. The same storms came to the first person and the second person. They both had to face the same trials in life. None of us are exempted from this at all. But the one who put his faith and his hope and his trust in Jesus he had a foundation under his feet and that anchor held in the midst of the storm and it held him in place and no matter what happens, the, wind, the winds came and the winds beat on the house and the rain blew, but it stood strong. It stood strong. And uh, um, You mind if I tell you guys a story real quick? This is, this is not, um, let's say it's not necessarily the most fun story to share in public. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've... Uh, We've been here now for almost five years, and uh, Shelby and I have also been married for about five years. And before we got married, um, Shelby knew, and I, I told her about this. Uh, one of the things that I had struggled with in my life was a porn addiction. I was addicted, I mean, like nobody's business for over a decade. I, I could not see a way out. And I mean, I, I'm telling you, I went and I tried everything. I tried everything to get out of it, and I just about made it before the before the wedding. You know, I'd gone strong for a couple months, and um, I believe it was a couple weeks before the wedding. All the the stress and the pressure of of getting married, all that stuff, um, it, it just all kind of built up, and I fell again. And when I fell again, it, it just opened up this uh, this this uh, this flood. It opened up a flood, and um, maybe. Maybe a month or so into our marriage, the Lord actually showed this to Shelby, and I'm I'm writing a book about this right now, uh, because I I believe that this is one of the things that's facing um, not just men, but women in the church today. it's, It's all over. It's rampant in our society. But the Lord showed Shelby what was happening in a dream. I kid you not, hand to God. She literally told me one day that she had a dream that this was happening. Is this what's going on? And I mean, I'm telling you, I broke. And our marriage, seriously, less than two months old, was under the fiercest attack it could ever be under. Shelby was, you know, concerned and afraid that she, she wasn't enough. I was beating myself up. You know, how could I? I mean, I'm a preacher's kid. I know better. I know the word. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know how I'm supposed to live my life how could I fall into this of all, of all people? And, and so, I mean, man, those storms came. And, you know, I felt like Paul when he was shipwrecked. And, you know, you're just holding on to just, there, there's nothing left of the ship. There's just a board. <laughs> and you're just, you're trying to keep your head above water. And it's just, it's rushing in. All you got is, you know, one nostril halfway out of the water. And, and I mean, it, it took some time for us to get over this. And I won't, I won't go into all the detail um, for time's sake. Um, you know, that, that, that's a plug, read the book when it comes out. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you this, if Shelby had put her confidence for our relationship in me, we wouldn't be here today. If I had put our confidence for our relationship in me or in her, we would not be here today. There was one thing that held during that storm and it wasn't it wasn't me holding on to jesus as tight as i could it was look over um and i don't have this verse for you taylor i apologize Uh, second timothy timothy chapter 2 verse 11 it was jesus holding on to us his hands held us in the midst of the storm. And even though the winds and the waves pushed and they, they rocked and they tried to knock us off course, the anchor held us in place. The anchor held us where we needed to be. Second Timothy 2 verse 11. I love this here. Paul says to Timothy, this is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure we shall also reign with him. Um, And now jump on down to verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Even when we're faithless, even when all hope is lost and it doesn't look, I don't have any strength left to hold on to the anchor. That's okay. The anchor is holding on to me in the storm. Jesus is holding on. He is faithful, even if you and I are faithless, even if you or I uh, aren't able to to do what we think we need to do in a situation. He is faithful. He is going to hold on to you. He is going to hold on to you through every situation, through every test, through every trial that comes your way. The anchor holds in your life. And you just, all we need to do, um, and this this brings us back, we're not going to go there again, but to, to the second verse we looked at in John, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Every situation you face, I mean, man, the fight's fixed. Jesus has already won. It's just a matter of will you let the anchor hold on to you and rescue you from the storm? Will you let the anchor hold on to you in the midst of hell on earth breaking loose around you? Maybe your parents get divorced or you lose a loved one or something like that happens and you don't know how you can make it through but the anchor holds on to you in the storm and it keeps you grounded and it keeps you fixed. And you know that you don't need to do anything except let the anchor hold on to you because your rescue is at hand. Your rescue is at hand. Wow. I mean, we we need to put all our faith and all our hope, all our trust in Jesus and what he's done for us. David, I mean, if you look at David in the Psalms, I mean, David went through some... Let's say crap. David went through some crap. (laughs) He he went through some stuff. Uh, I mean, he was was chased around by Saul. He was persecuted. He was kicked out of his own country. His own kids tried to kill him. I mean, this guy went through some things. And he said, I would have fainted. I would have lost heart. I I would have given up unless I would have believed one thing. What was that? that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I would see the goodness of the Lord in my life. I would have lost heart unless I would have believed one thing, that I would see God's goodness manifested to me. And so no matter what you're going through tonight, I, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, like I said, we're all, we're all going through things, but put your faith in that. That I will see the goodness of the Lord. I don't know what it looks like. I, I can tell you in my situation, I didn't know what goodness would look like. Almost five years later, I could not have have begun to foresee what God's goodness would look like in my relationship with Shelby. But I'm telling you this: that our relationship it is good. God has shown us so much. He's continuing to reveal Himself to us as we go through everything in our life. He's continuing to show Himself to us, continuing to teach us how how I teach me how to be a better husband, teach her how to be a better wife, how we can serve each other. And He has opened so many doors that we we've been able to take, we've been able to take our struggles, our tests, and use them into opportunities to minister to other people. Um, Pastor Gregory Dickow out of Chicago, he told um, that there was a nationally recognized minister um, over in Frisco a few years ago. And I'm not sharing anything that's not public. He's he shared it himself. Um, but he, he got caught uh, in the middle of a, a porn addiction that led to an affair and all these other things. His church closed down and, and all of that. And as the Lord was piecing his life back together, he went to work for Pastor Dickow in Chicago. And Pastor Dickow looked at him and he told him blaine your conquering or your calling is found in your conquering the struggles that you've gone through there's a calling on the other side of your struggles There's a calling on the other side of the things you've gone through. And you may not be able to see it today, but the Lord is going to use your story. The Lord is going to use what you've gone through in your life to minister peace, to minister freedom, to minister healing to other people. And you may not be able to see it today, and that's okay. You do not need to see it all you need to do is put your faith in Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus and know that no matter what storms are coming, the anchor holds in my life. The anchor holds firm. And I don't, know, uh, I don't know which way is up and down. And it might be all you can do is wake up and go to bed. I mean, seriously, that's all you can do. Well, how about Tuesday? You want to come over on Tuesday? And I don't know about Tuesday. I don't know where I'm going to be. I, I know I can wake up and I can go to bed. That's it. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But you wake up and you go to bed and you put yourself on autopilot and you just keep feeding your spirit. You keep feeding your spirit in the midst of the trial. You keep feeding your spirit in the midst of the struggle. And you'll find that one day there's just a little bit of light that'll start to break through. And it might not be much at first, but you keep on doing what you know to do. And all of a sudden, one day you think to yourself, you know what? I'm going to go over and see Pastor Jonathan today. And all of a sudden, you begin to walk yourself out of the trial. You're led out of this. Jesus has rescued you from this situation. Jesus has rescued you from whatever hell has been unleashed in your life. I'm telling you, it may, don't beat yourself up if all you can do is wake up and go to bed and wake up and go to bed and wake up and go to bed. That's fine. But the, the point is put your trust in Jesus and let the anchor hold on to you so that one day you can wake up and tell other people that I didn't think I was going to make it. I didn't know how I was going to see the other side. I didn't know how I was going to find a way out, but Jesus held on to me. Allie, can you come up? Jesus held on to me. And that's, that's our prayer tonight. If you guys, everybody um, heads down, eyes closed real quick. Don't want to make this awkward for anybody, but if you feel like you've been going through something and you may not know which way is up and which way is down, you may not know you may not know which way to turn. I want to pray for you tonight. You just put your hand up real quick if you've been going through something you'd like some prayer. Anybody else? Praise God. Praise God. All right, nobody looking around. Let's, let's just go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for these hands that were raised tonight. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit is ministering to them, that your Holy Spirit is working on the inside of them, and that even when they don't know where to turn, even when they don't know which way to go, Father, that the anchor holds in their life, and they may not have the strength to hold on to you, but you are holding on to them. And you have rescued them from the storm, Father. I thank you, Lord, that your hand rests upon them heavy, Father, that they would see your your presence, that they would see your light in a new and a tangible way, Father. That, That the peace, the Bible talks about the peace that passes all understanding, that the peace that passes all understanding would rest on them heavy, father. And that even in the midst of outer turmoil, father, in the midst of, 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 hell on earth, breaking loose around them, that their spirit would have peace, that they would be at peace on the inside, father. And that, that peace, as you talked about in third John, that that peace would begin to flow from the inside to the outside, that what's going on on the inside would begin to be reflected by the outside. And so father, we thank you for that. Father, I, I Father, just thank you. Everybody just lift a hand right where you are if you're comfortable and just just begin to thank God for everything he's done for you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'll tell you what, even if you don't know what to do, even if you don't know what to say, thank you, Lord, is always an acceptable answer, an acceptable response. You may not know which, which way is up and which way is down, but you can still say, thank you, Lord. The Bible tells us in in Romans that we are to give thanks to God in every situation, in every circumstance, not for the situation and circumstance, but in the midst of every situation and circumstance. Give thanks to God for this is the will of God for your life. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that your peace rests on everyone here tonight father thank you that as they go that there would be a noticeable change in their lives that there would be a tangible uh result in their life father and that no matter what what storms may try to come against them lord that the anchor holds father i thank you for that i thank you that i've ministered this word as you've directed me to father to the best of my ability i thank you that um, Thank you, Lord, that you continue to reveal things to everyone present tonight. You continue to show them how, no matter what it looks like, how the anchor has held on to them. In Jesus' name.